You're listening to Ruining Your Childhood, a show where two friends unpack and analyze all the TV shows and movies and books you loved as a kid. Enjoy. Yeah, so uh, Kirsten, you want to tell them who you are? Hi, I'm Kirsten, and I have no qualifications for this podcast other than I love pop culture and I am a child who never grew up. I'm Sarah. I also have no qualifications for this. Well, I am a historian, but... uh... You do have that. (laughs) You bring a certain Uh... level of academia to this podcast. Oh, I she suppose. Sla- she she slaps a master's on it. Yeah. Does, does anyone want to see my master's degree? Um, no. Look it out for uh, us. That's <laughs> what I say at parties. So uh, we're going to talk today about... Oh, well, let's... What, this podcast is about uh, talking about children's media in any form, really. And talking about kind of its historical context and like why things were made and the legacy of them and like what cultural factors might have been uh at play with it it's our first episode and i can already tell you spoiler alert a lot of racism just so yeah. much yeah so i'll just wait till we get to disney um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh today we're talking about casper the friendly ghost yes casper the friendly ghost um so sarah what's your experience with casper as a whole uh i've seen a little bit of the cartoon not much though because it wasn't really on tv at least the tv i was watching when i was a kid um i did watch casper and wendy on disney channel when i was a kid and recently i saw the end of the other casper movie with christina ricci other than that i am uh very new to casper (laughs) wonderful uh (laughs) i was familiar with casper before because as someone who was a child when the casper movie with christina ricci was released i had all of the casper merch and i absolutely love the movie but i also saw a lot of the old cartoons because my mom loved casper as a child and so she brought she bought all the uh vhs types of Casper, the the really old cartoons. So I had some familiarity with the old cartoons as well, but I have now so much Casper knowledge. I've watched so many <laughs> Casper cartoons. You've been uh, researching, studying. And also I just uh like cartoons, man. Cartoons. Uh so take a guess, how would you think that Casper first came? into being um i if i just had to guess i would say if you know someone some kind of cartoonist had kind of like a dark sense of humor or a dark kind of um outlook on life but like kind of in the way sort of in like a death positive kind of way not death positive as in like uh murderous or suicidal i, I mean death positive that was, as in that was like the deleted first episode was uh murder all the kids it didn't fare very well <laughs> yeah <laughs> we like death um yeah <laughs> no more like um like not fearing death not like um we're working on like the taboo of death and the afterlife that's in a lot of cultures not 
all cultures, but definitely I would say our culture, like people who are kind of very uncomfortable with funerals, things like that. Um, and so I, I would assume it maybe came from someone who was trying to uh, delve into that in some way. That was my original thinking as well, is that Casper seemed like a really healthy way for kids to deal with uh, the afterlife, because uh, as we'll get into, that's a huge theme in the Christina Ricci movie. But actually, um, that's sort of not the central theme of the original Casper. And I was always under the assumption that Casper was a comic strip before anything else. Um, I don't know why I always thought that, but I knew there was a comic and I assumed that because um, media was a little more limited at the time that Casper was created, that it would have started out as a comic book, but it actually started as um, a movie. But, oh, um, like an animated so, movie? Uh, like an animated short that they would show in movie theaters. Oh, huh. Which like, I was, I was, I was surprised by that. But initially, was this something that was done before the main feature or as the feature? Uh, I'm honestly not sure. But they, they're 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 very short, so I would assume that they were shown before a, a before a feature or gotcha. with a lot of different features because they are relatively short. So Casper was first created by a man named Seymour Victory Rate. Uh, his name is spelled R-E-I-T. Would you say Rate, you think, or Right, maybe? I feel like it could be Rate, re, Right, like, the, I, the, that's, I, mm, jury's out on that one. Jury's out. I'm really horrible with name pronunciation, so we'll just say Seymour Rate. And yeah. he was born on Armistice Day. So victory that's where the victory comes from. His parents wanted to name him something to uh, commemorate the day. So his middle mm-hmm. name is Victory. And I feel like personally, that's a really good way to start your kid out is just giving them an absolute powerhouse of a middle name straight out of the gate. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He, he's destined for something. <laughs> So he was born in 1918 and he started working on Casper because he had an idea for a children's book. Um, He also originally worked with a man named Joe Oriolo on the illustrations. But uh, for whatever reason, in 1939, when he tried to get the book published, really no one was interested in Casper the Friendly Ghost. So he sold the rights to famous studios at Paramount. And would you like to guess how much he sold these rights for? Uh, like $2. (laughs) Things always are like comically low priced back in the day. So that's what I, my guess. A little better than $2, $200. He sold this franchise that has made millions of dollars for $200. (sighs) Still um, he he honestly had like a very positive attitude about this and when he was asked about it later he was like you know I'm a little sad but basically I have good memories you know that I created something people like and he also went on to write a lot of different cartoons and work with a lot of different cartoonists so it's not like he didn't work ever again but mm, that's good but but he did only get paid two hundred dollars 
So tragedy. Mm. Uh, yeah, it's not as bad as like the. the I, I was worried it was going to be a Coca Cola situation where the original creator got just totally cheated out of it, and like his whole like generations to come like got cheated out of it. That uh, I was hoping it wasn't that kind of situation. Uh, it's less of a swindle and more of there wasn't a lot of interest, but then um, the interest kind of came later. Yeah. So. Um, Things that I think are important to talk about the context of sort of the world that Casper was born into, just the the background of the early 1900s in America is um, sort of bleak if you're a child. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's, keep in mind, there's no penicillin, so uh, kids regularly die from pneumonia, influenza, tuberculosis. And uh, good old diarrhea. That was one of the leading causes of child death. Oh, yeah. So kids were literally shitting themselves to death. It was not a great time. Pour one out for them. Does that seem very insensitive to joke about? Child Um. diarrhea? No, I, th- I think that's reasonable. Because um, it's true, that's what it is. <laughs> real unfortunate, a real unfortunate truth. Uh, the, uh, the real inconvenient truth is kids used to shit themselves to death. Um, <laughs> We're not the first ones to admit a joke about dysentery. <laughs> uh, but, uh, so... Children under five accounted for 40% of all deaths in 1900. So granted, that's a little before Casper's time, but we've got to assume that uh, it's a pretty recent memory to think about the possibility that you're going to die before you're five. Even, Even in 1945, when the first theatrical short was released. And, uh... Kids also have a uh, pretty uh, debilitating disease to contend with in uh, polio. Oh, yeah. Pol- polio is a, a huge deal for kids. Like, it really, I've, I've lately been thinking uh, about how uh, coronavirus is going to affect kids for generations to come. And, you know, I've been, I've been really stressed out about these kids. But apparently... Kids have lived through a lot of uh, pandemics and polio, which really, really affected children. And so on average, uh, 35,000 people were disabled each year in the late 40s and early 50s. So in 1952 alone, uh, 57,628 children were infected. So that's one year. 57,000 kids getting polio. Now, I don't know much about polio, to be honest. So that, from what I gather, it's not something that necessarily kills you. It just, uh, you end up being uh, disabled in some way for the rest of your life. Is that true? But it does kill. So out of those 57,000, 3,145 kids died, which... You know, uh, if you look at the, the whole population of kids, isn't a huge number, but it's still a lot of child death. 
Not nothing. Not nothing. Uh, you know, in this day and age, we like to uh, pretend that 3,000 deaths is uh, absolutely nothing, but it's really not nothing. It's a lot. 3,000 is a lot of kids to die. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, kids are living with extreme poverty because the Great Depression has sort of ended, but, you know, still dealing with ramifications um dealing with polio with other diseases and with the the uh wars lots oh, of yeah, wars no. uh, those uh, old, the yeah, old, old the old wars yeah the uh world yeah the world wars I, that's like a would be a very stressful thing to grow up with i imagine that uh just being a kid and knowing that the name of the war was uh, Great War or World War would be absolutely terrifying. That's a very scary name yeah, for, a, and- for a war to have, to seem like the entire world is fighting each other. would be absolutely terrifying for a child. Right, yeah, that that's very true, and especially... Um- getting into world war ii and and bomb shelters and things like that uh i don't know how prevalent that was in the u.s but um i am not a world war one or two historian well uh even after world war ii there were still duck and cover raids for literally generations so yeah uh the old you could be nuked at any time feeling is a, a really just a sound way to look at the world as a child (laughs) Uh, the end is nigh folks uh we have cute little cartoons with turtles about uh you know getting nuked uh, and uh, what to do put a blanket over your head and lay under your desk you'll be fine (laughs) uh yeah so yes it's 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 a bit of a, a tricky time to be a child so the original casper theatrical release was in 1945 which uh coincides with the end of world war ii and let me just say that the first casper theatrical release is one of the darkest kid targeted pieces of media i've ever seen um so i i like you thought that casper's main purpose was to help kids deal with the horrifying reality of potentially dying and maybe dealing with you know their friends have passed on so you know dealing with the grief fallout from that I thought would be a huge theme in these cartoons but the overwhelming theme of this this first theatrical release is that Casper is just very lonely oh no he is an absolute outcast no one wants to be his friend and he unlike his ghost uh friends takes no pleasure in scaring humans he just wants to have human friends and in the opening scene he's actually shown holding a copy of how to win friends because he's so desperate for human interaction and to just be liked he he really hates that he is uh, immediately hated by people and that he terrifies everyone so in this first theatrical release he 
wants friends. All of his uh, fellow ghosts are pumped to scare. They, um, you know, they wake up excited. Let's go scare people. Uh, and like, curiously enough, all of the ghosts have pointy heads other than Casper. I, I don't know if that's relevant or not, but it's a really like odd choice of an animation because I think I've always seen ghosts that have sort of like rounded heads, like human heads, but yeah. these ghosts have pointy heads. Um, and I have to imagine they're uh, white in appearance. Yeah, uh, they look like they're literally wearing white pointed sheets. Hmm. So, uh, What's that about? Uh, I, I I have no idea. Uh, I couldn't find anyone who uh, said why that was the choice, but it's a it's a it's a bold, weird choice. Um, so Casper doesn't want to scare people, so he wants a friend. He sets out in the world, and as he's leaving, his ghost friends are also leaving. I say friends very loosely. These ghosts are horrible to Casper. <sighs> Other ghosts hate Casper and his pacifist ways. Um, <laughs> so... The other ghosts leave, and I thought this was really interesting because it's the end of World War II, um, and the ghosts leave the house in a military formation with actual plain sound effects. So, and they descend on a city much like they're bombing it. And the the other ghosts are the bad guys in this cartoon. So I thought it was really a break from what we normally see in uh, American kids' cartoons. Anytime there's a military formation or cartoon characters wear military uniforms or use any sort of military ammunition, it's always the protagonist and they're yeah. always effective. They're always like an effective method at fighting whoever they're fighting so i thought this was a really interesting departure that the military operation is um the tool of the bad guys and that casper completely rejects this uh type of militarization so uh i'm gonna call it here casper is a pacifist he's dedicated He's anti-war. Um, sorry, everybody. Casper's a communist. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's not a real American. He doesn't like the wars. Um, uh, yeah, Casper doesn't want to fight anyone or scare anyone. He wants, specifically, he just wants friends. So he sets out hoping someone will like him he scares every living creature he comes in contact with including a whole bunch of animals and then at the peak of his loneliness uh prepare yourself he lays in front of a train oh my god <laughs> casper the ghost is trying to commit suicide that's like 
he for he is so desperate for the end that he lays in front of a train and then obviously as he's a ghost he is not killed by the train and he is genuinely sad when he doesn't re-die he cries he's very he's very depressed it's it's genuinely so dark how sad he is that was gonna work though like he knows he can walk through walls surely he's like you know what i'll try anything at this point i've tried reading the books everybody's scared of me we're just gonna see what i can do to get out of this situation so after he's run over by a train he meets two kids um who are a little afraid of him at first but then see that he's friendly and uh, he wants to be friends with them. So they take him home to meet their mother. And at first, their mother is absolutely terrified of Casper and is like, you know, a, 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 a ghost. <laughs> that but, cartoon thing. But dun dun dun, uh, their <laughs> landlord comes in and this newly widowed mother is about to be evicted because their landlord is evil and again casper oh, you knew casper's really coming in with those modern themes <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anti-landlord um so casper being a ghost scares the landlord who is like you know what keep the house it's haunted you're fine you're gonna live here forever i'm too scared to come back Casper scares the landlord away, and then the mom and the kids love him, and he has friends. Casper said tenant rights. Wow. He said tenant rights. Uh, huh. If only in the modern world we could assemble the ghost. <laughs> uh, if you're having trouble with your landlord trying to demand payment during a pandemic, my suggestion Assemble the ghosts that live in your building, scare the landlord. That's yeah. apparently befriend, the only thing that works. Befriend a young ghost. Um, a, young, a young pacifist ghost who's ready to stand in solidarity with your cause. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Immediately, yeah. I feel like like the, these are all themes that are playing very relevantly to right now 2020 like that just with you know mass evictions and things like that like these are um things that kids today can relate to in a very unfortunate way yes it's odd how relevant this all is so casper was also he there were a lot of these shorts um the theatrical shorts ran until 1955 and then um there were comic books and a television uh, cartoon that started in 1963. Um, the 1963 cartoon is kind of a lot like other cartoons of the time in that, you know, the jokes are sort of the same. Again, the huge difference with Casper than with, say, Looney Tunes is he is unfailingly kind um he's kind to animals he's uh completely opposed to violence he's he just genuinely wants animals and people to like him so he's he goes out of his way to help people you know at the same time 
the Looney Tunes are bashing each other in the face and trying at every opportunity to harm each other and Casper is just trying to make people like him and I just I I feel like it's so refreshing to see this very old cartoon with sort of a a positive uh, stance on violence like um staying non-violent when every other cartoon was using that as the main draw like the slapstick hurting each other yeah early cartoons definitely physical physical comedy was what they was what they relied on for everything uh whereas this now well okay so my 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 question for you is was the 1963 cartoon mostly a comedy or or no yes it's mostly a comedy and there's still a lot of slapstick humor but it comes more from uh you know he gets himself into like various hijinks because he is a ghost and so he um you know walks through walls but so oh this is one thing that i i thought was like absolutely striking to me is that casper's like a little bit androgynous um he he really doesn't have a lot of like what we think of as like typical masculine features he's very rounded like he doesn't have like a gendered appearance at all and he's drawn with eyelashes oh which is like um in this era of cartoon eyelashes are only for girls and they're usually the one way that you are able to distinguish like female animals from male animals are big eyelashes and casper has a a good set of lashes on him yeah i mean aside from him the only exception to that is maybe tweety bird but i feel like we all thought tweety bird was a girl when we were little oh i thought tweety bird was a girl until this very second so (laughs) i think i i'd have to you know uh i have to fact check is non-binary officially uh yes we uh, tweety bird is a they them and uh and that's you heard it here first folks (laughs) Um, <laughs> that's your next episode <laughs> yes yeah the, the next episode is titled why tweety bird is non-binary a 10-page essay yeah. uh but but casper yeah like he he that's something i noticed too just in my like uh few minutes of watching some of the cartoons um like clips he, he has eyelashes and he he's really um and i don't know if that's like to portray him as like babyish or um or kind of yeah kind of gender neutral because i feel like little boys are portrayed in kind of a um slightly more uh traditionally masculine and like a little kid kind of way so this is this is different this is uh he he's he's breaking he's bucking all the stereotypes uh casper's coming in with eyelashes progressive king he he is he i stand a progressive king in casper (laughs) um so, it, but we do get problematic introductions in this uh, this version of Casper. So up until this point, Casper has been on his own. All the other ghosts are sort of unnamed background meanies who he doesn't associate with. But in the comic books that start in 1949 and in the television cartoons, we see his family, which are... Uh, his three uncles, Fatso, Stinky, and Stretch, and 
Wow. And <laughs> uh, yeah, great names. Uh, <laughs> not at all mean at all to just call the only the only fat cartoon character is literally named Fatso. So oh my god, make make of that what you will. I a question. Okay, I don't know if you know this, but is this um did the name like the the derogatory term Fatso originate from this by any chance or was that a, i mean that had to have been around before right i would assume it was before i i mean it maybe got more common for kids to say after this yeah true Took it also mainstream. i do know like a lot of people who like a lot of older men who have the nickname of stretch who are like tall and skinny so uh maybe maybe this is one of the reasons why but so yeah popularized it maybe yeah this cartoon is really all about picking out your biggest flaws and giving you a name based only on that so <laughs> stretch pinky fatso and then this is my actual least favorite character of all time so um before we started this podcast i told you that i distinctly remembered uh casper having a brooklyn accent and i was incorrect about that the actual character with the brooklyn accent is called spooky the tough little ghost and spooky is a little boy as well but he has a derby hat so you know he's bad news um freckles and he has for whatever reason his nose is black like he has sort of like a dog nose, but he was a little boy in in real life. So I I'm looking I don't... up a visual. What's this dude's name again? Spooky the tough little ghost. And that's tough as in T U F F. Because he's so tough he can't spell tough the correct way. Oh yeah. That's, that's how you know. His girl stuff. Um Yeah, that's that's interesting like what like yeah it's like kind of a little like chip and dale kind of nose um yeah what and so he he's got a rounded head too like casper so that's yes they're they're the two round heads uh maybe maybe it's because they're children because anytime there's another child ghost in this series because there are from time to times uh like unnamed ghosts who are kids that casper will meet and they all have round humany heads. So maybe if you die as an adult, you get a pointy head. Yeah. I don't know if that's the canon, but our go spirits for it. have cone heads. Maybe uh, that's but... why they're all so mean is they all are just like idiots with pointy heads. I don't At I don't know. At some point their head comes to a point and they start um being rude to everyone around them. Yes. Including Casper. Including yeah. Casper. He is, like, number one victim of these people. <laughs> Poor child. So, Sp- Spooky has a Brooklyn accent, of course, because, like, he has to be mean, and you need to present that in the only way, I guess, that appeals to kids. So, uh, Brooklyn accent. So Right, right. Um, and he is voiced by someone who sounds like a grown man, also, but he is <sighs> he is a kid. And weirdly enough, he has a Scooby Doo laugh, which I just thought was funny. You know the, <laughs> yeah, that. So bizarre. So he's he's the worst. Um, 
he's not the worst. He's not as mean to Casper as Casper's uncles, but he does make fun of Casper for being too nice, for not wanting to scare, because Spooky loves to scare people. This is, you know what what Spooky is, is like this, he's like when you're in like middle school or high school and like you have no friends and like people bully you or something and like one person befriends you that's like not like you at all but like somehow you end up being friends because you're like the two rejects and um and they're like hey usually like they're, they're kind of like kind of mean to you but not as mean as like the other kids gosh this is relatable yes that is exactly <laughs> what it is uh casper's stuck with this kid so I'm about to tell you one of the uh, weirdest parts of this whole series. So Spooky, because he is uh, masculine with a capital M, he has a girlfriend, of course. His girlfriend's name is Pearl, but he says it like, Pearl, my girlfriend Pearl. I'm from... Yeah, so... Uh, Pearl, my girlfriend. Uh... The why I oughta kind of voice. Yes, exactly that. And yeah. um, so Pearl becomes Spooky's girlfriend because she was captured by a group of witches. And they enslaved her. And Spooky frees her. So she becomes his girlfriend because... Um, he busted her out of the, the witch, the witch's house where she was a slave. Oh, wow. Troubling. Yes. Uh. And, th- and th- this, this girl is also a child. Yeah. Also a child ghost. Interesting. Wow. So that's... yeah. Uh, <laughs> Wendy's a good witch, but these witches are the worst and okay. they're 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 finding kid ghosts to keep as their slave so in this world generally speaking witches are bad except for wendy who we'll meet later but in general right. and wendy is sort of in the same boat as casper in that the other witches want to do bad things and she wants to do good so she is the outcast essentially wanting to be a nice person is really frowned upon in these groups So we meet Pearl, and she is very much the trope of the nagging wife to Spooky, in that he wants to scare and be mean, and she's sort of his voice of reason. Mm. She doesn't have any personality outside of being Spooky's girlfriend. Uh, Really, none of the female characters in Casper have any sort of uh, personality outside of how they interact with Casper and Spooky and the other ghosts. Hmm. So, quick question. Is, um, is Mr. Victory Man, is he still alive and, like, partaking at this point in the production of this? Or is he, is this, like, way after he sold the rights and, like, he's just totally hands-off? This is way after he sold the rights. He's working on other cartoons. He's working, um sort of in the same studio but not on the casper cartoons okay so this is like out of his hands now this is not his original casper this is and and it honestly it's such a huge switch from sort of the original theatrical shorts that this kind of seems like someone somewhere was like uh 
Casper's too uh too soft. We've got to send in some uh, tough guys to toughen him up or to add a little more uh, rough housing to the show or something. It, yeah, or to make it less bleak. Uh, the the ghost uncles actually refer to Casper as a namby pamby, like that's like that that's like how they're calling him like a like a pussy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're, that's what they're calling him. The the Namby Pamby is a, a polite way of saying a puss. So candy ass. Candy ass. They would have they would have preferred to say candy ass, but uh they're they're not allowing it. Enslaved children, fine. Candy ass, no. Uh hmm. you know. Yeah. Things that are fine in cartoons. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so the cartoon other than Casper being our knight in shining armor who is eternally good he he's almost one dimensional in how like good he is Casper wants to go to school he wants to help people wants to help animals but it almost makes him you know unrelatable in a way I would say that he's there to model good behavior for kids but he would probably not be as relatable. Yeah. Yeah. So the television cartoons ran until 1970, and then there was a little bit of a reboot in the 80s. But then we get to the biggie in 1995, the theatrical release, which is the Casper that I mainly grew up with and that I love so much. It seemed like like a very classic. This was in the 90s, right? 1990 it was uh they did filming in 1994 and then it was released in may of 1995 Ah, okay so like the the end little bit that i saw it just seemed like a classic like 90s kids movie uh or family movie rather uh where just i I don't know how to describe how like 90s it was like the music the the effects just everything was very perfectly 90s yes it's it's an absolute perfect time capsule the 1995 casper movie is one of my favorite depictions of actual 90s clothes because whoever did the costumes and i should have looked this up but whoever did the costumes for this movie did an absolutely fantastic job because every one of these kids looks like a normal person sometimes i think in like high school movies they always make kids look a little too nice yeah um these kids don't look nice they're, yeah, clueless. This is not clueless at all. They're all wearing muted colors and flannels and sweatshirts and that's it. Yeah. So the costumes are very time period accurate. I definitely, one one factor of the costumes, Christina Ricci's character, who is playing a 13-year-old girl, consistently only wears like Timberlands. And huh, yeah. as a child, that was also my go-to look. So like watch this movie if you want to see how kids really dress in the 90s if you were born uh, around 2000 and you think that crop tops and plaid skirts were the norm uh you should watch casper because that's a much more accurate picture of how kids were dressing very boring (laughs) yeah i fully believe that uh just very muted colors nothing flashy so this movie was executive produced by Steven Spielberg. Did you know that? I didn't know that, actually. Yes. Why, why is he behind, like, everything in the 80s and 90s? 
Well, he is very much behind everything in this era of the 90s because we had a a little film called Jurassic Park that -hmm. came out around this time. And then his crowning glory, Schindler's List. That's not what I thought you were going to (laughs) say. Did you think I was going to say Jaws? Uh, well, I thought you were going to say E.T., but that's not even the 90s, is it? No. Um, also not his crowning glory. <laughs> his crowning glory is E.T. Uh, I say crowning glory just because he won so many awards and because it's yeah. so well regarded even now as like a a moving, a moving picture. Yeah, honestly, you know, like- I didn't know he did that movie and I have never seen it. So that might explain why I didn't expect that. Um, well, it's incredibly dark. And one of the reasons that Steven Spielberg and he brought a lot of his um, his usual crew to Casper, one of the huge motivations was everyone was really depressed from working on Schindler's List. Like, you know, Steven Spielberg had a really personal connection with that movie as someone who's Jewish and working on that content had really affected him in a lot of ways. And a lot of the crew that worked on that film worked on this film as sort of a reprieve. He was, you know, it was, this movie was in production during award season where he was winning Oscars for Schindler's List. And this was just sort of a recovery from him. Um, And the themes of the movie, I think, really reflect that. So um, as someone who hasn't watched the movie... Let me give you the rundown on like a quick plot synopsis on the 1995 movie. In the 1995 film, Casper lives in a manor called Whipstaff in Maine with his three uncles. And this is also new because before this version of the film, he had never had like an official home where he stayed exclusively. So this is, you know, he... He's pretty settled in this movie and he sort of has a routine and the whipstaff is inherited by an absolutely fantastic character named Kerrigan Crittenden and she inherits whipstaff and she immediately goes to find the treasure that's rumored to be there and finds that it's haunted by three evil spirits which are fat so stinky and stretched the names didn't our change uh, ah. our, our old buds <sighs> so they scare the bejesus out of her and her assistant dibs who's played by eric idol i don't know how they got him for this movie but he really adds to the cast <laughs> Speaking of, a weird fact I learned about Eric Idle in researching for this is that he went to Cambridge. Oh. Eric Idle is a Cambridge man. Oh. I mean, wow. That's <laughs> good, good for him. Uh, yeah. I didn't go to Cambridge, so, you know, a little jealous. I actually did go to Cambridge. So. That's why she's so qualified for this podcast, is her yeah. Cambridge. She's a Cambridge man. <laughs> exactly. So Kerrigan and Dibbs hire ghost psychiatrist Dr. Harvey, and he comes from Santa Fe with his daughter, Kat, who's played by our 1990s alt queen, Christina Ricci. And her dad's Bill Pullman, He is right? Bill Pullman, yes. yes. And 
King of the 90s. Bill Pullman, but before Casper, Bill Pullman was like relatively unknown. I think really Spaceballs was probably the only thing that people had seen him in. Yeah, actually, I learned something recently about Bill Pullman. Um, his first role was uh, was Ruthless People. Uh, where he played like an oh absolute my goodness idiot. I absolutely love his character in Ruthless People I can't believe I forgot about it oh my goodness boy toy the, the original himbo <laughs> oh <did you> himbo <laughs> before oh. that he was a school teacher excellent I mean excellent fantastic, excellent right? excellent I I've never loved a fact more than knowing that Bill Pullman used to teach school because I'm just imagining him from his movies, and I I bet it was amazing. I bet he was a great teacher. I bet he was. He's always either like a- You'd call the podcast if Bill Pullman was your teacher. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, email. <laughs> we'll have an email soon. Please email us. Um, we'll think of an email just for that. Yeah. Only email us with your Bill Pullman information. Yes, we only accept Bill Pullman-related information. Everything else uh, can if, <laughs> keep it to yourself. If Bill, Pull- if Bill Pullman isn't in the subject line, we're not even going to open it. Exactly. Or Bill Pullman, if you're out there, if you're listening. Bill Pullman, tell us about your teaching experiences. Yes, yes. We'd love to interview you. <laughs> yeah, I, I know you're listening. <laughs> so someone get this to him. We're going to yeah. tweet it at him and see what yeah, happens. We'll, we'll, just, we'll just harass him. <laughs> Bill Pullman is going to be our mortal enemy by the end of yeah. this. <laughs> He's going to like, like put out a restraining order against him. <laughs> We're we're actually going to have to take this off of the air because his people won't allow it. Um, <laughs> listen see. while you can. Listen while you can. This is uh, a one-time exclusive. <laughs> uh, yeah, Bill Pullman is absolutely fantastic in this movie. First of all, all all of the live actors are incredible. The lady that plays uh, Kerrigan is named Kathy Moriarty, and she is who I want to be when I grow up. She's horribly evil and take charge and bossy and 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 really just just who I want to be, but will never be. I'm uh, she's everything I want to be. She's she like you will you will hear her voice when you see her face. Oh yeah, no, I know who this is, and also like. I feel like the 90s was ripe with characters like the stepmom from The Parent Trap and like um, Joan Cusack's character in uh, the Adams Family movie where it's like just blonde kind of like mean girl with like cat eye glasses like that that vibe was like such a thing in the 90s. Like the precursor to the Karen. Yes. Yeah. But like a more stylish Karen very much more stylish and and kerrigan is also like the joan cusack character but with an edge Mm. because she has like a a raspy like sexy voice and also like a brooklyn accent so (sighs) she's she's and she has which is like the best character building for her in this movie she has long french manicure tips like really long french manicure and I can I can assess her character just based on the way she dresses in those nails. She's just perfection. Chef's yeah. kiss. You know what kind of character she is from the minute she like walks onto the screen. And, and she's so captivating to watch. Like the minute you look at her, she's just she's just here and she's ready to take charge. 
Yeah. And and Dibs is her her simp. So <laughs> Bill Pullman's the original himbo. Eric Idle in this movie is the original simp because he just does whatever she says. And yeah. he's like her affable assistant. He's her her Igor, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but so Bill Pullman is a ghost psychologist and he is hired by Kerrigan to rid her house of ghosts so that she can find the treasure and get rich because that is her one and only motivation yeah she just wants to be rich how does one become a ghost psychiatrist so he was originally a john hopkins educated psychologist whose wife died and sort of in his quest to find her and reach her uses the tricks that he learned from john johns hopkins to get ghosts to cross over to the other side because in this universe the way that you become a ghost is if you have unfinished business on earth you stick around as a ghost to finish that business so he helps them accomplish their tasks so they can cross over huh so he's hired and while he's hired this is a pretty sick gig because they actually let him live in this huge awesome mansion while he's getting rid of the ghosts and just from a filmmaking standpoint i think this is incredible this is all real sets like they're all to scale it's not like done with green screen all of the sets are actually practical they're huge i love that i love practical effects me too they look so good the house looks beautiful but so um they wanted the house to appear different than all the other sort of spooky shows You know, they all live in sort of all black Victorian houses. Yeah. They went a different way with this and everything's sort of circular and like a a different vibe. But it looks very different and it looks very compelling. Like all the sets are really beautiful. The production design is just uh, peak filmmaking for me. Like I, I would live in these sets. That's one thing I did see with this movie, like with the bit I did see, is that like the main space of the room is like a like a big like circular kind of ballroom situation yes my dream yeah so uh cat and dr harvey move in like i said his wife has passed on so it's just he and cat and she is one of my favorite movie versions of a teenager because she's not she's not like overly bratty doesn't hate her dad there's no like real beef between the two of them other than there's some like a little bit of awkwardness in that you know he's raising a teenage daughter without an without a woman around so they have to have sort of like uh you know a learning curve on how they talk to each other about certain yeah. things but she's like a pretty cool teen and christina ricci who is absolute perfection uh she never overacts she's a really good child actor in that she she plays really natural and uh she makes it all yeah. Makes it all seem really good. She's really good. Not as much can be said about the child actor. Well, I won't spoil it, but the the one later on that is was in the ending bit that I saw. Uh we'll get to that. Yes. Uh so so Casper has sort of a crush on Kat and he becomes her friend. They uh get to know one another. She actually helps Casper remember some of his own childhood which he had completely forgotten and um she helps him find his father's lab 
where he created a device to bring Casper back to life. And Kerrigan, seeing this, uh, decides to kill herself so that she can find the treasure. And then once she's found the treasure, her plan is to bring herself back to life with the machine. She just kills, she kills herself in this movie? Well, she actually intends to kill Dibs and then have Dibs come back to life and find the have, wow. have Dibs find the treasure. And her in her attempt to kill Dibs, she ends up dying herself, so she becomes a ghost. <laughs> and Dr. Harvey, who has been trying to help Fatso, Stinky, and Stretch, actually becomes their friend and gets he goes to a karaoke bar with them and gets really drunk. And he also ends up dying and becoming a ghost. So back at a uh, whipstaff, uh, all of the kids from cat's class are having a Halloween dance. She's having the school Halloween dance at her super cool house. Yeah. When you got a ballroom, take advantage, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. that's what it's for. <laughs> so, um, Dr. Harvey is a ghost. Kerrigan's a ghost. Casper is still a ghost. Um, So this machine that brings people back to life only has enough of this special serum for one person. And the intention of Kat and Casper has been that it's going to be uh, Casper. They're going to bring Casper back to life and he's going to get to live as a real boy again. But now we've got three dead people and only one thing of the the sauce. So Casper and Kat say to Kerrigan, well, I guess now that you have the treasure and the sauce, you're ready to go. Like you have no unfinished business. And she was like, yeah, I don't have any unfinished business. And then she explodes. That's how, that's how they pass on? Yeah. <laughs> It's like beams of light shoot out of her body and she explodes into glitter. I mean. It's beautiful. Uh, (laughs) I I hope that happens to me. Yeah, that's how I want to go. So she's out of the picture and then Dr. Harvey shows up in ghost form. And because they only have one thing, Casper lovingly says that he can use the serum to come back to life because Kat needs at least one parent in the picture. Yeah. So he he sacrifices his chance to Dr. Harvey, who then comes back to life, and Kat's deceased mother comes back in the form of an angel to tell Casper that since he was so selfless, he can have a little bit of time as a human boy so that he can go to the dance. And... Casper in human form goes to the dance and kisses Cat. And while this is going on, Cat's mom meets up with Dr. Harvey and tells him what a great job he's doing as a dad, but that he needs to understand that she's going to grow up and she won't be little forever and to essentially uh, lighten up on the reins a little bit. But so Casper goes back to being a ghost in front of all of Cat's class. And they scream and run out of the ballroom. And that's the end of the movie. (laughs) But it's uh, a lot different. There was apparently a huge controversy. Crunchy? Crunchy. There was a big controversy that they were going to actually show 
Casper's backstory because the uh, Harvey Cartoons version of Casper couldn't remember his childhood. He was just sort of always a ghost. So it was a huge change for him to have a, a human life that he gets memories of. And they actually explain how he died, which was uh, he was sled riding and caught pneumonia and then died. Oof. And yeah, so it's it's a lot more relatable. And the director of the of Casper actually said that one thing that he wanted to do was bring Casper into the 90s when he would be an actual 12 year old boy dealing with um, sort of adolescent issues. You know, he's he's more modern. He's he is been a 12-year-old boy for a long time, but still he is mentally and sort of physically a 12-year-old boy. So he still has um, like a budding sexuality and <laughs> and like, you know, the awkwardness of being a really young teenager. So yeah. they want to make him more realistic and more relatable. And I think they did such a good job of that because like I said, the the old Casper was kind and perfect in every way. And this Casper is... A little more flawed a little more awkward you know he he gets jealous when cat makes other friends when she goes to the dance with a human living boy he gets jealous and like tries to convince her otherwise so he has like real human emotions in this yeah otherwise it probably would have been um less good of a movie yeah so the purposes of this this version of casper they also wanted it to be a a gateway for parents and kids to talk about death they thought that you know first of all having casper remember his death and being sad about it casper grieves for himself a little bit in this you know he remembers being cold and being sick and and dying and he remembers his family being sad and missing him so casper grieves for his family who is now long deceased and he grieves for his for his own person and Cat, likewise, she's dealing with the loss of her mom, and so is her dad is dealing with the loss of his wife. And all three of these characters are dealing with that loss in a really different way. And I think it's a really sort of healthy picture of grieving that, you know, could open up some conversations between parents and kids if they saw this movie together and wanted to talk about death. So I I thought that the old comics and the old cartoons that their purpose was to talk about grief and dying, but it, actually that wasn't a factor until 1995 when grown-up adult Steven Spielberg still needed to talk about death and grieving, and it was easier, easier to do through a, through a child's movie. Yeah. Well, like, the old cartoon, just based off of this analysis just doesn't seem to have a purpose so much as it's just entertainment in a like just more that versus like the theme which i really like in a lot of uh slightly more modern like kids media is sometimes um dealing with heavy topics that kids still experience even though they're heavy and very adult but deal like dealing with it in a very um child appropriate way uh I think this movie does that really well. It 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 absolutely does. It's and it's it's just genuinely funny. And I also um I I wrote in my notes that this movie is very clearly not a Disney movie because it doesn't end exactly happily. 
Yeah. You know, Casper doesn't go back to being a human boy. He's, he stays a ghost, which is almost, you know, sort of not satisfying ending, but it's more more complex than if he had become Devin Sawa, the live actor who plays real life Casper. Oh, is that him? I insulted him earlier. My apology. <laughs> I don't know. I <laughs> He was the Sorry, Devin Sawa. He was the love of my child my childhood, so mm. and that's where all of my problems with relationships started, but that's a different <laughs> podcast. <laughs> It's gonna be the next one we start. Um, <laughs> Devin Sawa ruined me. No, <laughs> uh, uh, I yeah, I, but it's it's interesting. Like it seems like a lot of, and I feel like this is gonna be something we're gonna delve way more into, you know, further further on into this this podcast. But it doesn't seem like a lot of early kids media back when i guess they were first making media specifically for kids it doesn't seem like a lot of it was very thoughtful in the way that they were um thinking about how kids were interpreting it and i don't know when that happened but i mean i guess it makes sense because you know you have these new things this new kind of animation a new kind of um uh way of making media um and so you're not thinking about the implications of, of what a kid might interpret from it until later on you're just making entertainment but i could be wrong and uh we could find out we could prove me wrong later on well we'll, we'll see but you know almost all of the books that are targeted toward kids they all are like fable type stories with a moral and like a, a clear lesson that you learned but then cartoons are just for fun. Uh, it's yeah. sort of interesting that, that that the difference between like written books and then cartoons. Maybe it's just uh, when you're showing a cartoon in a movie theater, you don't have very long, so yeah. you've got to get the point across really quickly. Right, just something light before, like a little appetizer of a movie before like the actual movie that might have more of a fabulistic kind of message. Right. Or, you know, uh, in the case of Disney at this time, a super horrible racist message. So Yeah, one day, one day. We'll, we'll get there, we'll the get South. there. <laughs> <laughs> we, we can't not talk about it. Uh, right, right. But we'll have to find a place to watch it because it ain't on Disney Plus. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> the, the movie that didn't happen. Uh, <laughs> no, so... But this is very much not a Disney movie in that it, it doesn't end perfectly happily... Like, everything's not tied in a neat little bow. Casper still goes on being a, a ghost forever. and But also there are, like, jokes that I think wouldn't play at Disney. You know, uh, things like a little bit of adult humor happens in this movie. I think it's entertaining. I like it as an adult, and I don't know if that's just part of the nostalgia of watching it again. But I think some of the jokes still play. I think it's still clever. So I think it's it's very much not a Disney movie, and I really love that about it. Also, there's a lot of uh, he drinks really heavily in that scene where they go to the karaoke bar, and, and I feel like that wouldn't fly over at Disney. But oh yeah, no, I mean it, like Disney, I think has a goal of being wholesome, um, or at least they kind of did from the outset. Um, and and yeah, I mean that's something we'll surely we will dive into that and like the the whole like goal behind Disney, but like. Yeah, th this is um, 
kind of dealing more with the overarching message rather than like, oh, we can't show kids that adults drink. We can't show kids that kids die. Um, But so this is like a little more alternative in a lot of ways. And it is not explicitly Christian, which I think is sort of interesting because I think in a lot of sort of mainstream movies, when we talk about the afterlife, it's always expressly Christian. And this isn't at all. Um, There are angels, but there's never any mention of like heaven or anything. You know, it's just like, we'll all be together again together. And, you know, there's no like religious icon. uh, Iconography. iconography that's it that's where i was going uh but yeah there's there there's not a lot of um expressly christian themes which i think you know is is sort of refreshing it's nice to have like a a nice non-denominational uh afterlife movie yeah so it's a it's it's a little bit alternative and it's got our alternative queen christina ricci and our our og himbo bill pullman who who would from this movie go on to have like 90s all-star career he did independence yeah. day after president, this movie so. my 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 president um my president uh <laughs> i would vote for him for a fourth term oh yeah like uh, he, not the character him bill pullman himself bill pullman if you decide to run yeah <laughs> we you got just two know, votes just now um, two votes right here but well another thing to know about you know why it maybe didn't have like an explicitly christian message is the the steven spielberg of it all um you know it makes sense that he he might not have written a christian like he may not made it explicitly christian um right because i think that that's i think one of the main differences between judaism and christianity is the way they view uh the afterlife and so um i think at the very least i and i don't know enough about like the uh how judaism views the afterlife to know if that that was written into this movie but at the very least it's kind of secular yes it's and and you know that's why representation is important is because we get uh, a nice secular afterlife for everyone to enjoy yeah and um the you know nobody's expressly expressly sent to hell in this movie which i absolutely appreciate i remember being haunted by that movie um all dogs go to heaven Um, when uh when the bad dog gets pulled to hell by demons uh i don't remember that but yeah that seems like that would have messed me up it was traumatizing and i I still to this day hate that movie because of their depiction of like evil demons in hell. And this movie's nice because Karen or Kerrigan, even though she's a bad person the entire movie, tries to commit a murder and then is murdered herself. She yeah. doesn't get pulled to hell by demons. She just sort of disappears into the ether. So yeah. I really I really like that there's no express version of hell in this. This is I like that a lot. Thank you for sparing us that. Yeah, no need to scare children. I mean, even like in Hocus Pocus, um, like I think the whole goal there is that they're trying to send them to hell, but like the but they are the witches in Hocus Pocus are like expressly evil, not just like uh, morally gray or kind of evil in the modern sense, like uh, like Kerrigan might be, but they're like just literally they're just witches like they're bad guys in like the kind of um in the classic caricature kind of sense and so i i think 
them get it that's a little bit different but still like that kind of um maybe had a bit more christian undertones right and so this you know it's it's choose your own adventure whatever you think happens happens you know so uh i think it works for uh a lot of different kids you know it would be appealing yeah yeah i think that that is they, they took the original the source material which was kind of um morally neutral like they're not trying i mean not morally neutral because he he, does seem like casper's a pacifist and everything but you know maybe a little bit bland in the sense that like uh a lot of cartoons from back in the day where that it's just like it's slapstick it's entertainment it's um it might have kind of an undercurrent or message but it the the main thing that you get is just the entertainment but they, they took that source material and made it into a more compelling story that carries more like cultural resonance right like a a a more lasting memory of like an actual theme to this movie there there seems like there is a real theme to this and uh that's obviously intentional like that's part of the reason they they wanted to make this movie the way that they did is so that would it would have an emotional weight to it that the cartoons didn't yeah and and I think, and along with, you know, the fact that that was Steven Spielberg coming off of something like Schindler's List, I think that also reflects the way that movies went from, like, you know, uh, look, there's a train on the screen and it's moving. Uh, they went from that to something like Schindler's List where, like, it got, it got real heavy. And so I think that's kind of where um, the role of, like, children's media of, like maybe changed a little bit to kind of be um a bit lighter in comparison right um there's also something interesting i wanted to talk to Uh, speaking of making characters more gray the um the three uncles in this movie are a lot more balanced they're not just completely evil they enjoy scaring but they also become friends with dr harvey and they are scaring but there's they're just living life to their absolute fullest uh if you watch this movie you might be envious of their lifestyle because they travel the world they go to like fun events they're at the kentucky derby specifically to scare the horses which i I honestly think is pretty (laughs) funny um but they they eat like they eat like junk food and enjoy delicious meals they travel they have fun and they're they're sort of just, uh, you know, they're just living life to the fullest and and uh, full tilt. Yeah, I respect that. But they also, they they kind of mention at one point, Dr. Harvey is reminiscing about his late wife and is really sad. And they say, um, it looks like he's going to have one of those fleshy breakdowns, which sort of implies <laughs> that like when you're a ghost, because you forget your human life, obviously... You know, I would imagine since Casper can't remember his human life that they can't remember their human lives either. And so it it seems that that they're not doing what they're doing to be evil. It's just that they don't have any connection with the human world. Yeah, they don't they don't have the same sort of empathy that a, a living person would have because they're disconnected from from life. They're not trying to harm anyone. They just don't have the same range of emotions they're a little more emotionally numb so scaring is just 
a way of living life to the fullest for them. So I, I think that's sort of interesting because, you know, it's easy to make them just bad guy caricatures, but they're actually a little more well-rounded in this also. So Casper has a little more depth. They also have a little more depth. And, and, and I just really liked the idea that they're able to recognize that Dr. Harvey is having a bad time and they sort of take it easier on him because of that. But they they also just just can't relate to yeah. sad emotions anymore. It's just, you know, they, they just don't have it in them anymore. Right. And so humans are kind of most of the time, except for the occasional ones that they befriend, kind of a nuisance to them. And, you know, it, it's funny to scare them. And like it, it, they they maybe don't relate to like the experience of terror anymore. And so they don't um, they can't really empathize with that. So it's not like they're doing it just for the sake of uh being annoying or scary they just uh it's just fun um which kind of gives them honestly a more compelling motive that well it's definitely more a compelling motive because they didn't have any motive really back in the old one i think uh that's kind of just like in addition to kind of like children's media changing to reflect like adult media and kind of balance with that it's also just children's media becoming more nuanced and uh like, I don't know, acknowledging that kids are capable of emotional depth and uh, all that stuff. Yeah, it's it's just, you love to see it. You love to see it. You love to, you love to see people realizing that kids are human beings who yeah. have complex thoughts. That's, it's sort of a big deal with kids is they have complex thoughts. Yeah, <laughs> like their brains are developing uh, and they're like taking in a lot of stuff. And so, you know, they could take in something like... Uh, and no shade towards like Looney Tunes or anything like that. There is a place for that. Um, there's a place for just uh, slapstick, violence-based comedy. Um, but there's also a place for exploring grief and all that kind of stuff. Like the, the, it's good to have all of it. Just like uh, in the same way that like adult media has um, like The Hangover versus like Schindler's List, you know. <laughs> right. You you need both. You need both. Yeah, exactly. I mean And 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 even though this movie deals with complex themes, it never feels heavy. No. It's kind of filtering it for kids in a way that they can kind of wrap their heads around cuz you don't want to you don't want to traumatize the kid. <laughs> right. As I mentioned, all dogs go to heaven. That's uh you don't want to <laughs> scare scare the shit out of them or make them feel so sad that they won't want to watch your movie and buy the toys. Yeah. Yeah, but. um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna call out uh, Dumbo right now. I cannot watch that movie. Too sad. So, um, oh, much too sad. Yeah. Oh. So, <laughs> Thinking about the Dumbo scene where she puts her trunk through the bars is enough to bring a tear to thine eye. <laughs> yeah, I I cannot. I to this I don't think I've watched it since I was a kid because and, and like whenever the the trailer for the new one came out and they're playing the song, like anytime the trailer would come on in a theater, I would just like look at my phone or something. Like I just will not do it. They almost got me with Danny DeVito, but I I didn't I didn't watch it. Not even Danny DeVito can make this less no. sad. <laughs> no. I, I'm not going to oh. don't even don't make it look like a real elephant. <sighs> oh, even worse. Yeah, elephants have feelings. They have memories. Maybe we'll torture ourselves and do a Dumbo episode where we just sob through the whole thing of talking about it. Yeah, I mean, one one day we we will uh, subject ourselves to that. 
Um, but we're gonna put it off as long as we can. Yeah. Uh, but but yeah, Casper, excellent film, holds up. Uh, ten out of ten. I'm not a I'm not a great reviewer. I just really like it. <laughs> I can't look at it in a complex way. I just really like it. Yeah, um, I mean, and when it comes to like childhood movies, it's kind of all it boils down to. Like, did it somehow resonate with you as a kid? All right, therefore, um, therefore you like it. So I'm not I'm not ruining your childhood if you're born in the 90s. I'm mainly ruining your childhood if you were born in 1945. So uh, yeah, thank you, you for discovering podcasts and <laughs> yeah, these like 80 year olds out there <laughs> or however old I don't I can't do math, but like yeah, Grandma, if you're out there, if you discovered podcasts, um sorry um uh, but sorry yeah your, about, your cartoons were boring <laughs> sorry about casper and just just your experience with casper is watching a very lonely ghost make a friend for about 10 seconds before Sounds the episode ends depressing as hell uh, uh you should <laughs> watch it watch a watch a christina ricci movie you should watch more christina ricci uh yeah. Recommend everything. All of all of her stuff. Just recommend. Yeah. I also just love the fact that she is Wednesday Adams and Kat from Casper. Yes, she has the the market cornered on nineties Halloween movies. If only she would have been cast as Danny in Hocus Pocus. Oh, if she would only. be unstoppable. Yeah. But oh, here's a fun fact that I also learned. Uh she auditioned for one of the grandchildren in jurassic park and she they told her she was too old <laughs> wow she was, she was 14 and they were like get out of here you elderly child <laughs> she's uh, an old dispose of her <laughs> <laughs> she's a geriatric <laughs> i feel like she would have it like like because like danny from hocus pocus is so whiny and then like the girl from jurassic park is uh just a whole different like i feel like the steven spielberg was just saving her for like all right i need um a slightly like uh laid back emo kid like all right that girl yeah um i i would have much preferred her as danny in hocus pocus i i recently rewatched hocus pocus and um i love it don't come for me but uh, the character of Danny is the worst. Uh, <laughs> I just really don't like Danny. Uh, you like it when she talks uh, about yabos? Yabos. I feel so uncomfortable that she she she's old enough to know that it's uncomfortable to mention that he was talking about her breasts. <laughs> she has enough social uh, knowledge to know that that is not okay. Yeah, she was just being obnoxious. So uh, she, almost, you, she also she also almost gets her brother's ass thoroughly kicked. Yeah, yep. She just threw him to the wolves. Um, uh, Danny's the real villain of Hocus Pocus. Yeah, Winifred <laughs> Sanderson did nothing wrong. Yeah, she uh, she rightfully wanted to eat Danny's soul. I get it. Uh, <laughs> she's horrible. She calls her old and ugly. I mean, what else are you supposed to do when the kid says that to you? Yeah, you just, just gobble them whole and, uh, yep. and consume their life force. That's the rule. Uh, when someone steps to you, you consume their life force. Exactly. And that is the lesson from Hocus. This is basically a two for one episode. 
<laughs> two for one. Uh, just uh, rewrite Hocus Pocus and completely remove Danny from the story. If someone could send me an edited version of Hocus Pocus with all the Danny parts clipped out, I'd appreciate it. <laughs> This is an anti-Danny podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that has been, um, that has been ruining your childhood with, uh, Sarah and Kirsten. Until the next thing that we ruin, uh, should, should we give like a, a teaser alert for what's coming next? What is coming next? I don't remember. Um, uh, well, you're next up. You're up. To, you're on deck for next week. So. I can look that up right now. It's Nancy Drew. You're gonna have to read oh, a lot. Yeah, yeah. Get yeah, your reading list reading. together. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I got a stack of books already. I, I just got like I have them. I just need to read them. So, and I have also seen um, the entire first season of the Nancy Drew CW show. So um, I've got up to date knowledge. Um, there's also a new. There's a new HBO nancy drew so really? also watch that yeah wow. uh with yeah. the the chick from um it the the red-haired child who plays young uh jessica chastain oh that she's she's popping up in everything nowadays like the it cast and the stranger things cast they're just in everything now they are our future they're yes. what's gonna get it through the next it. generation <laughs> i believe that children are the future all right well uh Peace be with you. <laughs> I don't know how to sign off. And with your spirit. <laughs> uh, all right. This is now a podcast. Uh, <laughs> we were just bragging on Casper for being non-denominational, but we are going to go hard Catholic on the mm. ending of our podcast. podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, neither of us are Catholic. Anyway, uh, uh, good riddance, everyone. <laughs> please can can good riddance be our sign off please <laughs> yes good riddance is our sign off uh good riddance All right, everyone I'm, I'm so in good riddance <laughs> this has been ruining your childhood fuck off <laughs> <laughs> bye hey thanks for listening all the way to the end if you have any questions comments anything you can email us at rycpod at gmail.com that is rycpod at gmail.com Thanks to Zencaster and Anchor for providing free services that allowed us to make this podcast.